Hello, I'm Michael O'Toole, crime correspondent with The Star. Welcome to another episode of our special podcast series focusing on the trial of Jerry the Monk Hutch. Now, just to recap, as you know, Mr Hutch is on trial at the non-jury special criminal court in Dublin, where he is charged with murdering David Byrne at the Regency Airport Hotel in north central Dublin on February 5th, 2016. That's a charge he denies. Two men are also on trial alongside Mr Hutch. Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy are not charged with the murder of David Byrne. Instead, they are accused of helping a crime gang carry out the murder by providing it with cars. Like Mr Hutch, they deny the charge and all three are now on trial. We're now into the second week of the trial at the Special Criminal Court and joining me to go through today's evidence is the Star's chief reporter, Paul Healy. Hi, Paul. Hi, Mick. How's it going? Grand. Now, I believe today it was mostly, we mostly heard evidence in relation to surveillance carried out by the, a unit called the National Surveillance Unit. Yeah, I mean, so today was actually a very interesting day. Uh, for, for me, it was probably the most interesting day uh, since the first day of the trial um, because we got to hear an awful lot of evidence uh, in relation to, again, the alleged movements of Jerry Hutch, uh, but this time from the eyes of 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 Gardy who were surveilling him, uh, members of the National Surveillance Unit. And I think I think you might be best placed to explain, Mick, what exactly the National Surveillance Unit does. Uh, yeah, I have to put my anorak on again. The National Surveillance Unit, there's a phrase in journalism, hush, hush, and we love using it, but I think when it comes to the NSU, it's totally uh, opposite to use that uh, uh, nickname, I suppose. For many years, up until I think the mid-1990s, Garden Management didn't even acknowledge that the NSU or the National Surveillance Unit existed. So, you know, the clues in their title, their job is they are the national unit for carrying out uh, sensitive and sometimes dangerous surveillance operations. So they first really came to light, I suppose, in the public consciousness in May uh, 1998. That was the famous Blue Flu Day when rank and file guardy called in sick en masse and the real IRA carried out an armed robbery in a place called Ashford in County Wicklow. And the NSU, who didn't take part in the industrial hour, the effective industrial action, were tasked with monitoring this real IRA group. And essentially, uh, one of the NSU officers shot dead a real IRA volunteer called uh, Ronan McLaughlin. And that was really when the, the, the public awareness of the NSU came along. So essentially what they do is they watch significant uh, targets. That can be terrorists, it can be spies in Ireland, and it can be very, very serious criminals. So they're a very, very secretive organisation. And I'm looking forward to hearing what the evidence from the members today was. Yeah, well, just speaking for me personally, uh, this is why today was so fascinating because we were hearing evidence, you know, we're hearing information from from Gardaí that you wouldn't typically uh, ever be privy to because, as you said, uh, you know, these are undercover Gardaí. They're involved in a, an operation that is secretive. So this is the first time anyone is hearing any details of what they were up to uh, on these dates in 2016. And what was particularly interesting about this operation is that there were um, supposedly 27 members uh, of the NSU involved in this surveillance operation, which in, in and of itself is extraordinary, isn't it, Mick? Well, it, it shows how resource intensive surveillance is. I mean, if you see in the movies, you see, you know, one police officer, or one undercover cop walking along uh, a couple of yards behind a target and, you know, they're made very quickly. But this shows you how sophisticated and how resource intensive the operation is. But one, one interesting thing before we go on, I understand that there was a, a an order or a direction 
by Miss Justice Tara Burns in relation to identifying these, as you say, undercover officers? Yeah, so this was first discussed in court um, yesterday, and uh, this was something that was contested by uh, the defence counsel, Brendan Gretton. Um, he was basically making the point, um, why are we going to anonymise members of Angarda Shiakana? Um, you know, what is the reasoning behind that? And he was basically trying to say a number of different things. He was alleging that his client, Jerry Hutch, wouldn't get a fair trial um, if these guards were anonymized and, and was claiming that he even made one claim that if these guards are anonymized, then it doesn't give members of the public uh, the opportunity to potentially contact the defense uh, about one of these members of Angardi about information they might have about a particular officer or whatever that might assist the defense. But basically, um, as you said, Miss Justice Tara Burns, she made a ruling on that this afternoon and, and she she actually said that that particular argument from Mr. Gretton was fanciful. And she said that uh, herself and the other two judges are going to uh, give Mr. Hutch a fair trial, that he's entitled to a fair trial. They'll give him, uh, they'll ensure that his rights are upheld uh, the same as in any other court, she said. Um, so she ruled, uh, she ruled basically that these guards would be anonymized. And then members of the public then were told to leave uh, the courtroom while these guards gave evidence. So that would effectively be like what you and I would cover other cases. They would be in camera. So it's only bona fide members of the press, guardy and people centrally involved. So there were there, there, there were members of the public there who were essentially told to get out. Yeah. Uh, and some seemed a bit disappointed about that. I think it's been mentioned, uh, maybe not by ourselves, but there, there's, there are interested members of the public who have been there throughout so far so we're eight days into the trial and there's there's actually a, a number of uh of lads that seem to be attending and I, I don't know they're very interested in the case but they 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 kind of chanced their arm a bit like they tried to sit there until they were told uh you need to get out <laughs> so there's huge interest in it but uh they weren't they weren't allowed to sit there so just members of the media uh even members of of david burns family uh, so his mother and his father had to leave the courtroom while these guards were given evidence today. Okay, so let's go go through the evidence. What was the uh, what was the first piece of evidence? And just as an aside, I understand obviously they were anonymized, so the guards were not even named in court. They were given uh, initials, was it? Yes, initials, uh, designated initials for each guard that gave evidence. Um, so probably uh, I would say the most interesting evidence came from uh, um, a guarder who has been identified as Member L. And uh, Member L uh, basically was on duty uh, on the 20th of, or sorry, the 28th of February, uh, 2000, sorry, a correction. It's the 20th of February, 2016. Um, and he was... So, sorry, that's that's 15 days. Sorry to interrupt you, Paul. That's 15 days after the Regency attack in which David Byrne was shot dead just for context 15 days after the regency yeah um and he was in post in the Killy Gordon area of County Donegal and he was observing the movements um of of the comings and goings outside a, a property in that area that is associated with Shane Rowan uh, and Shane Rowan we've already discussed in detail is the man who was caught with the AK-47 type rifles uh, on the 9th of March uh, later that year in the Slane area of County Mead but uh, what was interesting about this evidence is that this guard who was observing this house he watched uh, Shane Rowan come out of the house and, and kind of usher a vehicle to get out of the way um, and roughly about 10 minutes later another vehicle shows up 
this is a, a silver Volkswagen Passat 02 DL Passat. And the surveillance officer told the court that he observed three individuals um, in this vehicle. Uh, a, man who, a man who was named uh, Paul Bosco McCreevy, uh, which is a new name for me. Uh, and then we already know uh, Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch. Um, so he, he says that McCreevy and Dowdall, they went into the house and that Jerry Hutch uh, got into another vehicle. He got into a Toyota Land Cruiser that was parked uh, offsite. So you know we heard about this Land Cruiser multiple times already in the case. It's a it's a one six one D Land Cruiser and it's alleged to belong to Jonathan Dowdall. Um, so Jerry Hutch got into this and he's sitting there and he's waiting until somebody beckons him into the house, goes into the house and they're in there for a period of time. So it's around about five past five in the evening, um, on the twentieth of February when. Uh, these individuals come back out of the house. So that's Jerry Hutch, Jonathan Dowdall, and, and this uh, Bosco McCreevy um, individual. Um, and so there's a kind of a, a meeting between them. And we hear that Jonathan Dowdall uh, has this hold-all bag and he puts it into the boot of uh, the Jeep and Jerry Hutch gets into the Jeep. And then eventually uh, they make their separate ways and make off. Um, but what is significant about this is that this is the first uh, meeting so to speak, between Shane Rowan and Jerry Hutch. So we heard about Patsy Hutch the other day, but this is Jerry Hutch, the man on trial. So like we've been hearing a lot of evidence about other people, but this is specific to Jerry Hutch that he had physical contact with the man who was then subsequently found with the AK-47s. So that was a huge revelation today. And obviously the, 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 the NSU detective give direct evidence to the court himself, but there were also, I understand, footage and photographs that were shown to the judge, to the judges? Uh, we were shown photographs, yes. So uh, member L, as he's identified, uh, said he took these photographs and we were shown um, pictures of, of who he said was Jerry Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall uh, outside this property. Um, and you can see you can see what he said was uh, Jonathan Dowdall putting this bag into the boot of the car. And you can see the individual who's identified as being Jerry Hutch wearing a kind of a, um, a hat and a, a long coat and jeans. Um, it's not for us to identify who these people are, as we've said already, but uh, it certainly had the appearance of the same individual who we've seen in CCTV footage already um, with the hat and the coat on him. And as we say, Paul, it will be a matter for the... the... As we know, there there's no jury in this trial. Instead, it's three judges and the presiding judge is Miss Justice Tara Burns. So they will make findings and they will come back with a judgment. But just without speaking to who was in the photos, were they of good quality? Um, I think it was late in the evening or something. So the, 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 I, I would say the photos are quite dark, but they are surveillance photographs. They're, they're not going to be, they're not for publication purposes, but they, they're, they're, they're clear enough in that you could um, identify individuals if you knew who they were I would say so that's the best I can say on that it's up to the judges okay um, and what happened after that yes yeah, so we heard from several members we also heard from a member D who uh, saw the land cruiser um, and and the, the, this this individual was watching the movements of the land cruiser on that same date uh, going from the Clontarf area of Dublin and going um, up north. And he was able to identify uh, the driver of the vehicle as being Jonathan Dowdall. So this is just, again, sort of showing that you've got officers that are observing the movements up in Donegal, and you've got them in, in Dublin as well. As we said, 27 
uh, NSU members uh, in total involved in, in various operations in relation to this. And that was on the 20th of February? Yes. I, I'll get to just another date of, of significance, which we keep talking about uh, of late, is the 9th of March 2016. So we know that's the day that Shane Rowan was caught with the AK-47s and slain. And we heard a bit about the CCTV footage of the vehicles moving around. We've we've heard about all of that. So it was mentioned yesterday for the first time that there was a surveillance operation going on that day. And we heard from one of the officers involved in that operation today. He was identified as AG. And AG uh, told us a couple of new things that we didn't realize about that day. You know, we, we had heard that Patsy Hutch was allegedly driving one of the cars. And we heard that Shane Rohn was driving the other but we didn't hear anything specifically about whether these two cars actually met up, whether there were any interactions between them. So this is the first time we heard of any interaction between Patsy Hutch, uh, who is a brother of of the accused, Jerry Hutch, and and Shane Rowan. Um, and just on that, uh, the 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 Yaris itself. Um, so we we were told by this this officer AG that the Yaris was being driven by Patsy Hutch. And at one stage, he observed uh, Shane Rowan in the car with Patsy Hutch. So that was new information to us, that these two men were in the exact same vehicle at the same time. Um, And they went around various different areas. Uh, They went down the Malahide Road and down towards the Malahide Industrial Estate, which we've seen CCTV footage of all of this already. And they sat in a car park in Woody's for a period of time, and eventually, uh, eventually Shane Rowan got back into the Vauxhall Insignia um, and Patsy got into the Yaris and they made their separate ways. But there was one final interaction that he said he witnessed um, between the two vehicles. They're stopped at, at traffic lights and he says that he was able to observe what he said was a conversation or what appeared to be a conversation between the two of them. Uh, and it was actually then said by Brendan Graham, the defence counsel, that this after this last observation of Shane Rowan, about 34 minutes later, that's when he was caught with the AK-47 rifle. So that's interesting evidence as well that the, there's a 34-minute difference between his interaction with Patsy Hutch and when he's caught with the weapons that were used in the Regency. So that was that was in sort of the, the Kulak area of North Dublin, was it? That was uh, Malahide uh, Industrial Estate, um, that was that was where that all occurred. So and at thirty five there to Slain, yeah, probably about half an hour, wouldn't it be? You'd be going across country. Well, I, you probably wouldn't you Dublin people, you don't know outside the PL. So <laughs> just go back to uh that's the ninth of March, but there, I think the same officer gave evidence on the uh on the on the set about uh, uh, uh work he was doing or a job he had to do on the seventh of March. And I'm interested in that because it brings into sharp relief, a difficulty for the guard, uh, for the guards, for any guard organization when they're following people, because there was there was the border came into play then. Yeah. So um, uh, this this was AG as well. Uh, so he 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 was also on duty on the seventh of March, um, uh, and said that he was watching the movements of Jonathan Dowdall leaving his property on the Navan Road, going into an SO uh, station, uh, and and coming back out. And he was able to say as well that he could see two people in the Land Cruiser, Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch, uh, Jonathan driving and, and Jerry in the passenger seat. And he watched, uh, observed this vehicle going all the way up to the toll bridge uh, and eventually making its movements, as you said, to to cross into Northern Ireland. Um, what's of interest here is that the defence 
is is challenging this to a degree in terms of how long were these people being observed and were they being observed going into Northern Ireland? You might be able to talk a bit more about just the legalities of that, uh, Mick. Well, I mean, well, I, I wasn't there, but I, I mean, I can give you the analysis. Look, the, the National Surveillance Unit or Gardaí can only really be active in the state. So once you, anybody who knows going from, you know, Dublin up to Donegal, there are various ways around it. You can take a long way up through Sligo and stuff, but the shortest way is up through through the north into Northern Ireland and up that way over perhaps Oma and Armagh, Oma, Derry, that sort of way. So that causes a difficulty for the National Surveillance Unit because they can't follow in Northern Ireland because they don't have any, you know, they're not, it's not, they're not allowed to work as cop, as police officers in Northern Ireland, but that's what the PSNI do. So I think the evidence was that he stopped at the border and then waited for them to come back. Yeah, AG was challenged by Brendan Grehan as to how far he followed this vehicle. And he said um, that uh, once the vehicle crossed the border, the quote was he made, they made no further observation on it. Um, and then it wasn't until um, 11.36 p.m. that that evening um, that they were waiting in the RD area and they observed the vehicle coming back uh, again with Jerry Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall in it. So that's when they picked back up uh, the trail, so to speak. And did they say where the car went? I think it was it picked it up around the RD area, which is yeah. uh, on the board near, near in County Loud near Dundalk. And... Did they say where it went after that? Yes, it went towards the M1 and and, and back towards Dublin. And uh, after that, they, they had they had lost sight of it. At that point, is what we were told. Okay, Paul. So just to recap, then the evidence today that was heard really centred on three days. First day was the twentieth of February, when Gardy from the National Surveillance Unit mounted an operation, a surveillance operation in uh, Donegal. The second day was the seventh of March when there was uh, an NSU operation from Dublin up to the border. They waited at the border for the car in question to come back and then they followed it a bit but lost it on the M1 heading back to Dublin. And the final day was the 9th of March and that was uh, around Dublin. Yeah, and uh, we've only heard, I've only mentioned three officers to you there. Uh, There are many more yet to give evidence. So we're probably going to hear even more about how much exactly uh, the guards observed um, uh, about the movements of... Jerry Hutch, Jonathan Dowdall, Shane Rowan, um, in the in these days, but we're starting to see a picture building now, um, against Jerry Hutch. We're starting to see a bit more of the prosecution's case, specifically against Hutch, because up until now, like we're eight days into the trial, we haven't seen a huge amount of the evidence specific to Jerry Hutch. Um, so we're starting to go down that route now. And just at the end of the trial today, um, Miss Justice Tara Burns actually asked more or less what's going to come up next um, because she was curious, as we all are, about the tapes, the infamous tapes uh, of the conver- the alleged conversation between Jerry Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall that was uh, recorded by undercover cops. And we will hear that at some point, but the state indicated that they're not ready to play that yet. And um, it was also indicated that that's there's elements of that that are going to be contested by the defense. So we're nowhere near that yet, uh, but we are going to be hearing from more NSU members uh, in the coming days, possibly. Very good. And can I just ask you, Paul, just one question. Covering high-profile cases can be very stressful sometimes, as I as I know, uh, covering a lot of high-profile cases. are you? No, there's no jury in this, which makes it a wee bit different. Are you enjoying this yourself? Well, yeah, I, I'm fascinated by it. Like, the, I mean, I'm not that long in the job, as you know. Well, I'm seven years in the star now. Um, 
doing crime journalism and I've I've done a lot of different cases and interviewed a lot of families and people in in various uh situations in relation to 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 criminality but um this is a first for me this type of trial and um so I'm fascinated by it. I think the public are fascinated by it because the special criminal court is a is um I mean it look it's it's reserved for very particular cases but Jerry the Monk Hutch is is such a uh, is such a figure in 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 gangland history and there's so much uh interest in it for you know I, I'm kind of ranting here but what I'm basically trying to say is that I am enjoying it it is long there's a lot of evidence and it's very tiring but but I am enjoying being there yeah ultimately the, the, the special is part of the CCJ now, but years ago, when I started off in journalism, a long, long time ago, and everything was black and white, it had its own court. It was in Green Street in north central Dublin, and it's a really, really old building, and there was, a, again, the Garda post on it, so there was a permanent Garda uh, you know, protection post on it. I loved getting into it because it was, it was a real old, really, really old court, and, you know, there's a bit of intrigue and mystique about it. You know, obviously, the CCJ is very clean and modern now, but... Ah, oh, it was a great court and, and there were some really, really fascinating and really, really big court cases down there. But that's that's pub talk, I suppose, for another day. OK, well, I think that's us for tonight. So hopefully we'll be back again soon with another installment of what that is happening in the modern special criminal court today and tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs>